Hello and welcome to the London School of Theology podcast. You are listening to our weekly chapel service. Today's speaker is Reverend Alison Atkinson. London School of Theology. Forming disciples. Resourcing churches. Impacting society. So today's scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 6 to 16, reading from the NIV today. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, as just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Thank you so much, Maria. It's wonderful to have a public reading of Scripture. Hallelujah. So, we are coming to the end of a sermon series on Scripture, on the Word of God. And one of LST's core values, if you haven't seen it yet, and look up our Vision of Values statement, and we've been preaching on it for most of this term, is that our lives should be shaped by the canon of Scripture. And uh, so this is the last sermon in this series, talking about being shaped by the canon of Scripture. There's been a couple of times where we've had some extra things, like the wonderful service we had last week um, with uh, Open Doors coming in, and in particular with Debrina's testimony from Iran. If you were not at that service, then you really missed... um, hearing testimony from persecuted Christians and and in particular some of her testimony of how God has been working over the years in Iran. But despair not because in, uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but in, in a couple of weeks probably that testimony will appear on the LST podcast so you will be able to listen to it again and I absolutely recommend that you do that whether or not you were here last week. Find it. 
But anyway, we're thinking about Scripture here, and we've just read a piece of Scripture that says the Word of God is living and active. It does things. It changes us. And in a way, if we could just stand here and read Scripture for ages, that would make a difference to us. We've had several sermons over this term in which people have said this about the person preaching just before them. They preached my sermon. So I think you're probably going to get the fourth, about the fourth time of kind of the same sermon. It isn't really because, of course, you preach it differently and from a different text. But we're saying more or less the same things. And, well, who knew that a book that was, is composed of texts written over hundreds of years by many different human authors would hang together and say the same thing throughout its from Genesis to Revelation? You know that. Who knew? It's got a consistent and a, a message and a thing that we can be preached the same sort of thing from various different parts of the text. Whether it is, as in Conrad's case, largely from the Gospels, preaching from Matthew and t telling us about how Jesus loved Scripture and used Scripture and how important Scripture was to him and is to him. And then Graham came on, I think, the week after Conrad and said, he just preached my sermon. He was preaching on the authority of Scripture, talked about how important it is to retain Scripture as authority. God's precepts work, and Graham was preaching largely from the Psalms, particularly Psalm 119. The authority of Scripture, Graham said, is non-negotiable. Chloe came on, can't remember if it was the week after that or if we had a bit of a break, I think it might be the week after Graham, and preached from Isaiah. So we've had the Gospels, we've had the Psalms, we're getting a prophet who also preached. This is a text that changes us. She said it's not just a text. It absolutely bears um, uh, examining and, and, and treating as a text and a source and as an academic source, and you're all doing that. And it it bears people spending their lives investigating this thing and, uh, and, and getting into all the kinds of criticism that you know about. And people here spend their lives studying Scripture. It can be studied like any other text. But as Chloe said, this is not just a text. It's one that shapes us and changes us. And we wrestle with it, she told us and urged us to let our wrestles be honest but, and, and, and ultimately to submit to it. The title of Chloe's sermon was My Way or the Higher Way? Do we go my way or do we go God's way? Because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts from that Isaiah passage. This is not just any text. It's shaped our language and our culture. I don't know so much about, about perhaps some of the cultures that you come from. It's certainly shaped Western culture. It, people that you know quote scripture probably without realizing it. The next time somebody says, oh, my new grandson is just the apple of my eye. Or, oh, I escaped that by the skin of my teeth. Tell them they just quoted scripture. They might be surprised. I went home last night um, 
and uh, <laughs> as you do, put on the TV to the BBC Parliament channel because I was interested in the debate on this government's amazingly named illegal Migra migration bill, which makes me always wonder how one should say that. The bill is actually titled the Illegal Migration Bill. I think it's the Illegal Migration Bill. And I was interested in the debate on that, which was being debated just around about the time I got home yesterday. And I was very interested to hear the SNP um, Home Affairs spokesperson's speech. And she quoted repeatedly, do to others as you'd have them do to you. She sourced the quotation from a mosaic in the headquarters of the United Nations. <laughs> and uh, that being based on a painting by Norman Rockwell. And uh, so I was interested enough to Google the painting, as you do. And uh, it's a fabulous painting. It's got people of uh, lots of different ethnicities and um, it's, it's very United Nations kind of painting. You could Google it as well. And, and she used the quotation very effectively um, in, in her criticisms of the government's uh, proposed policy. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. Now, I don't know whether the SNP spokesperson knew the original source of that quotation, but in our parliament, scripture was being quoted. It shapes us. She's hoping, I think slightly vain hope with regard to this particular bill, but, well, we'll see what happens in a couple of years after the next election. But the, the, she is hoping that scripture there is going to shape government policy. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. It's a text that shapes us, shapes our culture, speaks to all sorts of things. And that's because this is alive. This passage we just read here said the word of God is living and active. It moves it's not just words on a page. It's all these academic things that you're learning and so much more. Thank you, Lord God. One of the amazing things about scripture is just yeah, how deeply we, we, we can spend our lives studying it. And at the same time, it's accessible to the newest Christian to the person that can't read but hears it read, to the smallest child that begins to learn things about the word. It's accessible. The reformers knew that, didn't they? Sola Scriptura. Erasmus, in the early 16th century, I would to God that the plowman would sing a text of scripture at his plow and the weaver would hum them to the tune of his shuttle. So if you've got plows or shuttles, sing scripture, hum it, use it. It's, 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 it's accessible and understandable to everybody and yet also 
can be looked into so deeply. It's an amazing, amazing document. And that's because it is written not just by the human authors. You know that. It's written by the finger of God. This text in Hebrews has a quotation from the Psalms. It says, as David said in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Well, he has, as he has told us, already quoted that passage. So if you want to look back into chapter 3, where he starts quoting this passage and uses it extensively through 3 and 4, 3, 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so this writer to the Hebrews knows that there's a today. There was a today for the people way back then in the time of the exodus and the wanderings in the desert and the coming into the land. There was a today that God was preaching to them. Today, don't harden your hearts. Look, you've done enough rebelling in the wilderness. It's time to go into the land now, don't harden your hearts to the generation that are about to go into the land like your ancestors did, but follow me and follow me in obedience. God says today there is that uh, message to you. And he brings it back here in chapter four. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, because God set a certain day, we read, chapter 4, verse uh, 7, calling it today, which he did a long time after those wilderness wanderings, through his servant David in the passage already quoted. There was a today for David and his contemporaries. What was David saying? David was saying, in the kingdom there, don't harden your hearts. We've got into the land, but don't be complacent. Come on, people of God, keep following, keep being the people that God's called you to be. Don't be hard-hearted, because there remains a rest for the people of God. Joshua, Hebrews says... Uh, didn't give them rest. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There was a rest there for Joshua and his cronies because they did get into the land. They did achieve God's purposes. But there remains a new rest that David was still striving for. God, please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Stay with me. Lead me. Let me be wise and lead this kingdom. There's a today for Joshua. And then because this Hebrews writer is, uh, quotes it, he's saying there's a today for his writers because he's speaking to them in the first century and he's saying now in your situation of perhaps being scattered, they've, they've begun to be in a sort of a bit of a diaspora state and, uh, and, and, but today don't harden your hearts. Things are difficult. Some of you are being persecuted but there's a today now, there's a new, fresh, today word of God that you hear about when you read about Joshua and you read about David, but today, hang on to this. And we're reading this now in 2023 in LST. And the Holy Spirit, who wrote this all those years ago through David, says, today there is a word for us. 
do not harden your hearts as some of those did in the wilderness and they did not enter God's rest because there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Are you churned up inside? Are you feeling full of unrest? Are you feeling heavy? Are things a bit difficult for you? I know that the Sabbath rest, the ultimate Sabbath rest will be when we see him in glory and we're able to praise him in eternity. I know there is that. And, and you may be expecting, maybe if I was preaching this in a different setting, I'd be preaching a salvation sermon. I'd be saying, come to Jesus. And if you need to hear that gospel Come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Submit to him. Most of us, I think, have, have, have crossed that threshold. But today, there's still a Sabbath rest for the people of God that we can enter into. That's a, 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 a what's the word? Foretaste. There's a foretaste of the rest that is to come. Today if you don't harden your hearts. For the word of God is alive and active. It's a bit of a paradox there. We've got to make every effort to enter the rest. How do we do that? The word of God is alive and active. It cuts us. It's sharp. He says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, I don't know a lot about two-edged swords. But I do know a fair amount about surgical scalpels. And that's what this metaphor means to me. Now, you may or may not know that uh, way back when, my first degree was in medicine. And I trained as a doctor and I worked in medicine for, in hospital anaesthetics for about 16 years. So I have spent a lot of my life, a lot of hours, many, many I, I no idea how many days, in operating theatres, I have watched a lot of surgery. I've seen surgeons carefully opening up parts of people's bodies. And I feel as if here is the metaphor here. He says it's sharper, the word of God, than a two-edged sword. It's, Hebrews people didn't know anything about surgery, anything like we have today because it's only the last 150 or 70 years or something like that that we've had anaesthetics. Shout out to the anaesthetists because uh, you couldn't have surgery without them. But when you do have anaesthetics and you can therefore have time to do proper surgery, what these surgeons do is they don't just sort of slash like this willy-nilly and open things up. No, they're very careful. They layer each layer of the skin and then the tissues under the skin and then the organs under that. And they're creating spaces where you didn't even know there was a space. They divide tissues that you didn't know were separate tissues. You thought that kidneys and livers and lungs and hearts were all just sort of one thing. But no, they're made up of lots of different layers of different things. And the surgeons very carefully can dissect between them. And that's the picture here. The word of God divides, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
Surgeon God is getting right down to the roots of the problem in the Word of God. It's alive. It works. It hurts. Nobody wants to have an operation. You go into A&E or you go to your doctor and you say, oh, I've got a little bit of pain down here and they examine you and say, oh, I think you've got an appendicitis. You need to have your appendix out. You don't go, oh, whoop de doo I love having operations. You don't. Because you know it's actually going to be a bit more painful than even what you've got just now. It's going to be uncomfortable, sometimes, frankly, difficult. It's tough. If you've never read the word of God and gone, ooh, ouch. You probably haven't read it right. You've never been challenged by it. You've never actually felt the, the pain of that sword, scalpel, use your preferred metaphor, getting down into where there's a little bit of infection, there's something that needs to be rooted out there. Touching the sin, the things that you struggle with. God's very good at that. Dividing the soul and spirit, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what Chloe was talking about a few weeks ago. Shall I just... It, go with the things that I think or shall I strive to find God's way? God judges through his word the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Is this desire that I have for something just, is it just me or is it God? You've probably all asked that question. I've asked it of myself loads of times when I've wondered about guidance in a particular uh, issue. I've been asked it loads of times. I'm a pastor and sometimes people would come and say, oh, I'm thinking about doing this or I'm wondering about that. And I don't know if it's just me or if it's God speaking to me. The word of God divides between soul and spirit. I'll leave it to you to go deeply into and theologize about what you think or, or anthropologize perhaps about the difference between soul and spirit. But if you want to take it as the difference between what I just think is good and what feels nice to me and the part of me that's responding to the things of God or indeed this God's spirit moving in me, if I want to take it and there's that, is this me or is this God, these things that I'm thinking, wondering about all of that? Well, the word of God guides us in that I think I discovered that when I was 19. I was a university student, medical student, first or second year, can't remember. And somebody told me that tithing was a good idea. In fact, more than that, they told me, you should tithe your income. Well, I didn't have much income, but, you know, that, that if you were giving to God's work, then just the odd little bit of offering here and there wasn't good enough and tithing is something you should do. And then somebody else said, oh, no, that's just an Old Testament principle and we don't have tithing in the New Testament. and That's all legalistic and law and everything else. So I was a bit confused. So I thought, I wonder what the Bible says about that. And I hadn't really quite learned how to properly, uh, systematically study the Bible, but I thought getting a concordance would be a good idea. So I've got a concordance. I looked up tithe 
I looked up all the verses that mentioned tithes and I read them systematically and I said, God, is this a thing that you want me to do? And I concluded that it was. And I concluded in that study that God showed me how to use my tithe. Well, I didn't exactly have very much of it at the time. But here I will just make you jealous. I tithed my student's grant. I know. You might think what you need is a tithe back to you because you've got loans, haven't you, rather than... In those days we had grants. Um, I tithe it. I've continued tithing to this day and my principle happens to be that I feel God said ties to the local church anything else I give to Christian charities to LST to anybody else any other needs that God shows that's giving over the top that's my principle that's what I felt God told me but the point of telling you this is not to tell you about tithing it's to tell you it's the word of God that convinced me Read, think, explore. Sometimes we can intentionally search for things like that, as I did then. And sometimes it's just the general, it's the daily, regular meeting God in his word where we just get to know God's character. God shows himself to us again and again and again in the word. And sometimes when people have asked me, well, is this God or is this me? And I'm kind of confused. I say things like, well, does that sound like God to you? Is this the God that you meet in scriptures daily? We get to know God, God's character through habitually meeting with God in his word. God's careful, surgical Precision, splitting apart of tissues and getting down to problems and rooting out infection and other things within us works. The other thing that surgeons do, though, you think of making the, the cut and getting into the the thing and finding the disease and rooting it out, that's fine. And then you think, well, they close up all the tissues. And most of the time they do. And, and you might be interested to know if you don't know this already. Actually, they do tend to close all the layers as well. You think you just get one lot of stitches or clips or whatever you have on, your, on the skin. You've got several lots of closing probably underneath there and the various layers. But sometimes they don't close because sometimes there's infection somewhere that needs to be exposed. And if you've got an abscess, for example, you don't just suck out some infected stuff and then leave it to collect again. You have to let it drain You'll see, you've, you'll have had operations yourself and you've probably, you might have had a drain coming out of your various bits of your anatomy. And that's to take out stuff that doesn't need to stay in there. It's got to stay exposed. It's got to be able to come out. And sometimes an actual thing just gets left exposed and you can see raw flesh and it's exposed to 
the air, or, and it's allowed to heal up from below. The body is fabulous. God's very, very good designer. He has designed us very well to be able to heal. And, and wounds heal from the bottom up. And there is the picture in verse 13 of Hebrews 4. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So in God's surgical uh, operating theatre, there is the precision surgery, but there's also the opening up, the laying bare, the exposure of things, and that too is tough. It's painful, but it's there for healing. So far, so uncomfortable. I'm glad that the chapter didn't stop there, because it goes on. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess. But Jesus. Now, I said if you didn't read the Bible, when you've been reading the Bible, if you've never gone, oh, ouch, this is tough, you probably haven't been reading it right. But also, if you've never read the Bible and just thought, oh, how wonderful. If your heart hasn't risen in praise because you've seen something about Jesus or something else about God the Father or the Spirit or his ways in creation or how God works with us, whatever it may be, God's person and God's work, if your spirit doesn't rise in praise and just say, wow, that's wonderful. If that's never happened to you, then you definitely haven't been reading it right as well. But... Jesus. It can be tough reading the Bible. There are things we wrestle with. Of course there are. But Jesus is there. Because principally this is a place we find out about Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that Bible study on the road to Emmaus after Jesus rose from the dead, where Jesus himself appeared to them and took them through the whole scriptures, the Old Testament, and showed them... Showed them everything that pertained to him. And we read the scriptures and we find Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we come to the word, when we come to the word, we come to the throne of God, the throne of grace, because this is where we're meeting God regularly, day after day after day after day. And who do we see there? We see Jesus, our great high priest who has gone before us. Thank you, Lord. Jesus knows our weaknesses. Jesus feels our temptations. Jesus has suffered our temptations. Jesus knows what they're like. He has been there and he is able. I love, I love the, the sort of double negative there. He is not unable. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. He is able to feel sympathy for our weaknesses because he has been tempted as we are, but he did not sin. Jesus is there. And here is the place I meet him. Here is where I see him day after day after day. And he gives liberal mercy and grace. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That's really important that that's there. Because if I just thought it was God's operating theatre, I might not be keen to go there very often. I might know I needed to, 
And I might just sort of wait until it got really, really bad and then, oh, no, I'm just, I'm going to pluck up courage to go there, like when you go to the dentist every so often and all that sort of thing. But no, here I'm coming to God's throne of grace. And however bad things are, I'm going to find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. It might hurt a bit. It's going to be mercy and grace. And along with the ouches, there are those other times where we see the truths. We never knew it could be so good. This word is alive. It's active. It works. It does things. It changes us. It shapes us. It moves mountains. Read the word. <laughs> There's the sermon three or four times. Read the word. Apply the word internalize the word, sing the word when you're at your plough or your weaver's shuttle or your wherever else you uh, are in your work, in the, li <coughs> excuse me, in the library. Love the word. When you're studying it academically, remember it's much more than an academic textbook, though it is that. When you see how much it's, it affects our society. Be grateful for that, but remember it's much more than that. Here is the living, active, moving Word of God that changes us. Thank you for listening to the London School of Theology podcast. To find out more about LSD and our courses, please visit our website 